Hello, and welcome to Tic Tech Talk. We are now in season three, and this will be the first episode. I'm Rob. I'm Candace. And today, on this first inaugural episode, we're going to talk about television um, and kind of the future television, some of the services around it, and at the end, maybe a little bit on how to integrate to the smart home. Yep. 2017, uh, new year, new us. Super excited to be back um, in front of the microphone, diving into some good tech. That's true. Yeah. So um, we're going to kind of start with this at the content area. Um, and uh, the provocation for this is over um, the winter break and the holiday, I transitioned my family from a traditional cable bundle to DirecTV now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those not familiar, DirecTV now is an over-the-air streaming service like Netflix, but for cable. So everything's live. Um, there's no DVR like some other services, which is actually a shame. Uh, but you just watch shows. It's all live. Um, there is some on demand, I should say. You can watch some FX movies whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the price is great. It's $35 a month, and it's on all your devices, and you can just watch TV. So did your whole family just decide to, did they cancel cable yet? Or is this just an experiment or foray into DirecTV? Yeah, we, we totally cut the cord. Um, wow. Our TV watching needs, especially with three kids at college, have kind of um, diminished. Mm-hmm. And this is great because we could all watch it. At our school, so we all get access to the TV for Is one. there a user limit or anything on that? It's two at a time. But mm-hmm. We've had that for with our Netflix, and we've never had an issue. So okay. with that. Uh, and we also got a free Apple TV, and we're able to lock in the introductory pricing of $35 a month for 100 channels. Um, so we did the two-week trial, and we found it was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. For those considering DirecTV now, I will say the reports that it has like bugs and stuff are definitely true. It's, it was really buggy. <laughs> it, it's buggy, for sure. Some channels, I found Fox channels in particular are pretty bad. My mom really wanted to watch reruns of So You Think You Can Dance, and it was, like, impossible. But other than that, it's been mm-hmm. pretty good. I'd say definitely, like, passable, um, especially with the price compared to what we're paying for cable. We're saving some pretty good money there. So I'm overall, we're also not big TV watchers, but, you know, yeah. like, I'd give it a B, B minus. Okay. It's pretty good, pretty good. And the features are there, and there is some on demand. Um, I've heard some people complain that it's not, like, where TV should be going because it's not like that Netflix model where you can watch as much as you want when you want it. Yeah. Um, there is a cloud DVR coming to have set, I believe, but it's, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It will that be, be nice. included in the price, the $35 or will you have to pay extra for that DVR type of service? From what I've read, I believe it will be included but, oh, okay. um, to be determined. They I also do offer HBO go for an additional you know, $5, $5. So it's a $10 saving per month. And, and it's not stuff. really a DVR, right? Because like the old-fashioned DVR is like there's a hard drive that stores all the content. I imagine this is more like an artificial kind yeah. of where cloud it, DVR. It where it tracks the time segments that you want. Um, so when you keep saying like on demand or live, it doesn't cover any local content though, right? So if you're like mom wanted to watch like the local news, you would have to look at some type of like over-the-air antenna. Right? Yeah, um, I think for all areas, I believe it's it depends on your area. I think there's some partnership there with like NBC where certain areas you can oh, get local. Okay. But for most people, there's no local. So she's looking into getting an antenna now. Okay. Um, we do have one in our kitchen, so I think she's been able to balance that out. So it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I personally think there is kind of a value to that live aspect where you can just kind of flick through channels and see what's going on. So That feeling is still there, right? So on the Apple TV, you sit down and you're, still, you're able to go through channels with it yeah. streaming, right? That was the one thing I've always missed about moving to like a Netflix model or something with Plex. I like kind of like that randomness where you can flip through channels. Yeah, it's nice because you can just turn on and something will start playing and you can flip through it, see what you like. Mm-hmm. So that part's nice. I think there are some merits to it. I think it would be nice if instead of a DVR, they did something where like everything's saved and you can just watch it later. Yeah. But of course, that'd be difficult with all yeah. the providers. But 
Yeah, pretty good. I'm pretty satisfied with it. It got a Rob rating of BB minus, but how was the parent? I'm still really interested in how. <laughs> what's the parent rating? You know, what, oh, that's what was a your good mom? Question. So yeah, another part of this, I guess, is switching to the Apple TV, um, which I think is really fun. My family had a great time with it, playing games and stuff. Um, but <laughs> since I left, the HDMI CEC stopped working, uh, or I, I'm not even sure exactly what happened or yeah. how this happened. But I set it up so it was all um, HDMI CEC is a protocol, so you can control your TV over the HDMI port. And I had it all set up. So you just hit the button, the Apple TV turned on, the TV turned yeah. on. You adjust the volume and all that. It was great. And somehow while I was gone, my mom can't adjust the volume anymore. She's like, what do I do? So um, I have no idea how it happened. I definitely yeah. have to be there and troubleshoot it, though. So that's not great about the Apple TV. There's yeah. nobody really, you know, I mean, they're not at the Apple store, but like, can she bring her TV there and ask them It's that? I think CEC, like it's meant to be a standard, but I've always had experiences where sometimes it gets really finicky. Yeah. There's not a real set standard because different manufacturers utilize that standard a little bit differently, but I've had problems where it doesn't sync anymore or it stops, or we used to use a sound bar, so to always change the sound bar value, uh, volume. Interesting. At one point it would stop and change the TV volume, which did nothing. Interesting. Yeah, so it's it's okay. Like that part's yeah. been a hurdle um, and the the buffering and the loading times have been a hurdle, but mm -hmm. overall I'd say it's been pretty positive. The savings are good. The ability to watch anywhere has been really handy, um, especially like, you know, if one of us wants to watch um, a sporting event at our school and we yeah. don't have access to it, that's easy. Um, so overall I'd say we're pretty satisfied and I have confidence the way AT&T and DirecTV talk about it that it's going to move forward um, and be a better service. It is kind of early days, so yeah. optimistic, um, but generally positive. It's been pretty good. Yeah, I've I'm so interested in how like how parents react to and like your experience with the content. Um, currently, my parents pay an enormous amount of money for their cable, and it's actually an internet package. Yeah. And the only reason why they pay for a much more expensive cable package is because my dad likes watching NASCAR and Formula One, mm -hmm. and you can only get that content through the most expensive cable package. And so, like, one child lives out of the country and doesn't watch much TV at all. And I barely, I only watch YouTube. Yeah. So I'm always looking for a way to switch them over to something like a streaming service. Because all they watch is um, local news. Um, my dad watches the Formula One and uh, NASCAR. And sometimes they flick through HBO, but, like, so much money can be saved. Yeah. Um, to that point, we were on a cable bundle before this. So um, for those looking to switch, the real savings came because we knocked out TV and phone. I think if you only knock out one, the savings yeah. are not great. You know, surprise, surprise, they really want to lock you in. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty good. It's, you know, I can't really complain. Yeah. Um, they offer a pretty good value. And I do believe they might offer Formula One. I'm trying oh, to look really. now on the site to see if they offer. But I know they have some sports packages. So it's definitely something you should look yeah. into. Yeah, especially when the DVR stuff, because that was the other thing. I remember back in the day when my dad followed NASCAR so heavily, and this is before DVR, that we would have to rush home from like, <laughs> yeah. school so we could tape record the different races. So at one point when I moved out of my old house, we had at least 300 tapes of various races. Wow. Uh, and like that's why I love technology. But I'm ready for that time where I can leave all that behind. Because Optimum, any major cable company, the interfaces are terrible, things never yeah. work. Um, it's just all one giant mess. So... And I feel like this is a really great option for us who are, we're not even cord cutters, right? Because we never had the cord. Yeah. But, you know, one day moving when they're a full-time job and an apartment and extra money to spend, it'd be nice to have one of these streaming packages. And uh, speaking of which, aside from DirecTV now, there's actually a couple of other competitors coming out to kind of be um, almost like an a la carte online TV model. Mm -hmm. um, so you've used DirecTV now. There's also Sling TV, PlayStation View. 
And then in the future, Hulu announced that they're uh, releasing mm-hmm. a solution as well. Um, any thoughts on on any of those services? Yeah, I've, I've di- we did some research before switching. So mm-hmm. we went with DirecTV now because they provided uh, what we felt was the best value. We got the introductory rate, so $35 for 100 channels, I think versus maybe 65 for 100 channels. So that savings was great, and it came with the Apple TV, so mm-hmm. it fit us really well. Uh, that said, we're considering switching to Hulu when it does come out. Mm-hmm. If you look at the two interfaces, Hulu looks much smoother. Um, I personally have a little more faith in Hulu because they've been in this business a little longer. Mm-hmm. And they come with a DVR right out the gate. So um, we're debating switching the prices, I think. And negligibly different. It's almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a PlayStation, but I've heard PlayStation View is excellent, especially if you want ESPN, I believe. That's the big differentiator. They're able to uh, have that sports deal. Mm-hmm. Um, which is might, actually might be a big thing for me because if I ever go out and get one of those services, I want the NBA to be included. Yeah. I've, I've been streaming a lot of NBA games like off of those like sketchy Russian sites that I found on, on, uh, on Reddit, <laughs> and I'm ready to finally move to something legitimate. Yeah, and then Sling, I didn't really look into it too much. Do you know who makes Sling? No, I've only had a little bit of experience looking at Sling as an option because um, ever since I was a kid, my parents still like to watch a lot of the Hong Kong television. Um, and previously, you'd have to subscribe to a very expensive um, dish satellite TV. Uh-huh. Um, Sling TV offers some alternative. And by the coincidence, if you're listening and you have Cantonese parents that want to watch uh, Hong Kong <laughs> television, there's many different packages. Um, the one thing, though, is the cheapest one, which you might want to get, actually doesn't include the biggest network. So just be really weary of that. We signed up um, with the premise of knowing that they would get the big channels. And when they couldn't find any of the shows, we realized it was kind of one of those like, bait and switches. It's almost, I think, a $30 price difference between the first tier and the second tier. Um, so we actually just decided not to subscribe at all. For Sling, that is? Yeah, and it was a special package, so I think it included all those like American channels, and then on top, you might get the extra um, Hong Kong stations. But um, it was also pretty buggy. I tried about six months ago on the iPad, and my mom tried casting it, because we have Chromecast in every part of the house, um, and she had a little bit more difficulty, but that was a period of time before. So looking at it on their website, um, Sling seems to be the cheapest option, mm-hmm. which might reflect in the pricing. They're actually owned by Blockbuster, which is kind of funny. Oh, they're owned by Blockbuster? Blockbuster LLC, and also Sling Company, whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. Blockbuster is related to that, which is funny. Um, but yeah, they, they seem to be the value play. Um, DirecTV now also offers ESPN, I should mention, and um, so does Sling Television. So mm-hmm. all of them offer ESPN. Um, and it looks like they offer most of the major networks, but mm-hmm. uh, not quite as many as DirecTV now, it looks like, just at a glance. But... It's hard to say, but yeah, pretty comparable. Um, pricing's pretty similar among these. Uh, now with DirecTV now, you also get free streaming on AT&T, which I do not get, but I yeah. believe you're on AT&T, right? Yeah, I am. Actually, I heard that. Like, that's like, the big debate right now going on uh, with like the idea of net neutrality and like mm-hmm. how a lot of these major tech companies are actually just larger conglomerates, and we're now starting to see, truthfully, both the cons and the benefits. So that's also very interesting. Um, I'm still currently on a uh, grandfathered unlimited data plan, mm-hmm. so that's not really on my radar. Uh, AT&T has been trying to get me off of it, and they've <laughs> actually raised the price again oh, for wow. a user. Um, so down the line, when it comes to where I do have to move to a tiered data plan, switching to something like DirecTV is definitely on the radar. Mm. Yeah, and you know that industry is super comp- super interesting because T-Mobile announced that they're going to match that. They'll yeah. whitelist all your direct all your um, DirecTV now yeah. streaming, and they'll give you a year free. So very competitive, but that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting how this will play. Um, and probably the most exciting thing is there's new services coming out, right? We're always really afraid that it would still be locked into a traditional cable model. And especially for our generation where we've grown up just watching Netflix and a lot of YouTube, 
it's nice to see companies kind of adapt to those needs and realize that we're actually using streaming boxes more than we're relying on a cable box. Yeah, definitely. It seems like right now they're just all making a play for it. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully in the future, you know, we'll see some yeah. leaders come out of it or something. It's really interesting. Yeah. Speaking of um, boxes, uh, where there was one kind of big development for the Apple TV. Yeah. Um, and we'll touch on a couple other boxes in a second, but they did come out with a new TV app. Now, you've been using that a lot more than me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I would say... Oh, actually, I don't know. My roommate's also here, too. But I would probably say there's a good split between how we use the Apple TV fourth generation on my TV as well as the casting feature. So my TV has built-in Chromecast. Um, truthfully, when it comes to any type of content that requires YouTube, we always switch to cast. And then everything else is relied on with the Apple TV, mm -hmm. um, Netflix. Um, my roommate watches a lot of K-dramas. Um, any of those content providers goes through the Apple TV. And so I'm really, I was really excited about the TV app. I know it was delayed for a couple of months. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really meant to be the app where instead of navigating to all the different applications that the providers give you, um, you go to the center uh, interface, it keeps track of what television shows you watch, and you're able to watch it. That's the basic premise, mm -hmm. I think. And they even changed it where the default uh, action on the button of the remote takes you to the TV app instead of the home screen. That's pretty big. Yeah, I, I'm so trained myself now to go home that I actually changed it back. Uh, and it did annoy some people, but I see what they're trying to do here, right? To bring you directly to the content and kind of let the interfaces of all these different companies kind of fade away. Um, easier said than done. I know they've had a lot of difficulties partnering up with content providers. My experience, I think, is about the same feelings that you've had with uh, DirecTV. It's like a B, B minus. Um, I only really follow four shows. Two of them are, one's on ABC, one's on NBC, and two of them are on HBO. Um, the single sign-on has been kind of nice, but not every support or every network has supported it. Mm -hmm. um, but I have used it to track the episodes and see when something like Modern Family has aired. Um, but it, it isn't great. It's a little bit buggy, and I'm hoping with future iterations. Um, what's your experience on iOS in terms of devices? Yeah, I, I've touched on it a little bit. Um, like you said, it doesn't support every service. So my two big ones, which would be DirecTV Now and Netflix right now, are both not supported so i've had pretty limited experience um but seeing on your tv and others and just reading about it um you know there's definitely a common trend within these tv services kind of yeah b service uh for lack of a better word yeah um you know i don't know who's to blame is it apple's app is it uh the providers uh, i tend to think the providers because it yeah. seems like everybody in the industry including google uh amazon you know, that's the big struggle getting these behemoth old cable companies to support their platforms because really the more they drag their feet, the better they are in a lot of ways. They're yeah. Keeping the people with them. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a shame because you can't really use these platforms to their, their fullest. Yeah. But it's getting better. It is getting a lot better uh, yeah. relatively quickly. Yeah. And the interface itself, like I never thought beforehand that it was ma a major nuisance to go to each of the apps um, to find the shows. It was definitely annoying to um, have to log in every time and I'm glad they've tackled that with single sign-on. But even that has been kind of a mixed experience because it's based off a cable provider. So I'm using Optimum for my parents' network and I believe they only recently started supporting it. And a lot of the big players just decided not to opt into single sign-on, mm -hmm. uh, which is an issue. And especially outside of the US, I think it's not even available. Wow. Um, but it's, it's nice. I see what they're doing. I'm excited to see how they advance it. Um, and I just wish they did slightly better tracking. So I know people who actually download dedicated TV trackers because they follow many different shows and they mm -hmm. want to kind of have a more social interface where they talk about the episode. Once again, I only follow the three shows because I only really watch reruns of older shows. Um, but my biggest pet peeve with it is 
if you say, if you are done watching the episode, but there's still three minutes left in credits, if you exit, <laughs> it doesn't mark it as watched. And for me, and I just want to do some basic tracking, that's been my biggest pet peeve, and it's not really that big of a oh, deal. Geez. Yeah. That is pretty annoying, yeah. Um, I think what's really interesting about that, like, you mentioned the remote changing, and like, mm-hmm. when the Apple TV came out, um, they kind of pitched it as like, just, you know, this app platform, and it seems like they're pushing it more and more uh, as a television platform, which is pretty interesting because um, mm-hmm. my girlfriend got her. She was like, this is the best. It's a great gaming device. Um, and yeah. it still is. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, we were just over at your place last weekend. We had a lot of fun playing. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think you kind of really opened the, uh, my eyes to what the Apple TV can be because when it first came out, I downloaded, you know, the, the, the Crossy Road and whatever. And I was like, that's enough. I don't really know what else I could do in terms of gaming. But you showed us a whole bunch of different <laughs> games. Um, I've played Quiplash, which is a really great implementation of an Apple TV game. Um, and they do some really clever things with uh, multiplayer and not requiring to download an app. Rather, you go to a browser and you enter a code. Um, but you also had us play, um, what's the song? Song Pop Party. Song Pop Party. And there's also a really, really great Pictionary one. Yeah. Uh, SketchUp. Yeah, SketchUp. SketchUp Free because we didn't want to pay for it. Yeah. Um, so the Apple TV, you know, it's interesting because when it launched, it actually came out with Guitar Hero, like full-fledged Guitar Hero. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there have been any big console quality releases. Mm-hmm. They got a couple, like, pretty good games um but that's kind of not really continued you know a lot of people port to ios and then they'll do apple tv if they want that bigger experience but mm-hmm. um you know apple doesn't ship with a controller like something like the nvidia shield so i think that more yeah. hardcore audience is not really being reached by the tv but for party games like we were playing with like different quizzes or drawings or um uh, i know they have just dance support and you hold your phone and just yeah. dance. I mean, it's it seems like it's really good. It's really easy because every or most people have some compatible device. I know some do support Android, like yeah, uh, Space Team supports Android, but oh, Space Team most teams, most support iOS. But if you have like a spare iPad or you have the remote, so that's always one free person. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's pretty easy to get a bunch of friends together and just play a trivia game or or Quiplash, which is a really fun game if you haven't. Tried I think it. this could be a really like you know how they argue that iOS devices have really opened the idea and the market share for casual gaming. Mm-hmm. So where something like an Xbox or a PlayStation is too intimidating for a group of people or for our parents to play. You know, if your parents get an Apple TV uh, and they're already using it for a streaming service, being able to just download and keep a couple of those games when people come over for like a dinner party is really cool. And I think, you know, I'm hoping to see more games that are kind of exploit that. Definitely. And one of the biggest advantages of the TV is, you you know, um, iOS has had for a long time the ability to do real-time multiplayer gaming, but it's hard to get on a phone because it's not often that you're all in the same room at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, games do build that, but... I, at least in my experience, I've seen less and less games do that because the appeal is limited. You can only do it so many times. It takes yeah. a lot of data. But with something like the Apple TV, you can make the assumption that people are on Wi-Fi and they're all in the same room together mm-hmm. and presumably for a good period of time. So you can play one of those games sitting down together yeah. or against each other. And that, I think, opens a lot of possibilities um, yeah. for a lot of fun. Admittedly, there is a fairly limited game selection, especially like higher quality ones. But yeah. Excuse me. I've noticed it is getting better, um, yeah. and it's it's pretty exciting. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm overall the quality of what they was available. Those three games, especially with Quiplash and the fact where you don't have to use a dedicated app and it's uh, it's platform agnostic. Really uh, impressed by that implementation. And I hope more games. I also even just see it like something for like Hasbro to really just invest in iOS development mm-hmm. and make all the classic board games available. Right, just playing the game of life where there's a central television and each person can spin on their own device. I think it's really powerful. Mm. Uh, do you have an Amazon, you have an Amazon Fire Stick, right? Or I did, but I actually sold it after I got my, I think, eighth Chromecast and oh, okay. my Apple TV. <laughs> I'm just looking, because I'm looking at Quiplash's website, and um, it's interesting, they support 
Amazon Fire TV. I don't see Chromecast, which is a little surprising because it's all web-based, so I don't see why it couldn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems Amazon also has a pretty big following, and I've seen a couple of reviews saying that Amazon products are among the best dollar-for-dollar uh, dollar streaming sticks you get, and they also support Amazon Video, which unfortunately the Apple Isn't TV that, is yeah. not. Which is like the lot often forgotten, but in my experience, it's actually really good content. It's a good value. I actually know people who purposely do not subscribe to Netflix because they 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 think that uh, Amazon is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, of, I think, a couple of the boxes now come with the remote, same with yeah. the Invisible Shield does too. And they, um, I had the first generation stick. Quite honestly, it was actually pretty slow and laggy. I think they actually kind of released it as a proof of concept that they were able to put the software on a lower cost device. But now on the second generation and third generation, I've heard great things. They and really the remote. And they really beefed it up. And yeah, and the voice remote too. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, what, like less than $50? It's like... It plays perfectly into Amazon's model when it comes to devices. You mm. you make the device super affordable and cheap, so you have them enter the ecosystem and then have them totally invested in the media. I did not get to use it, but I know my uncle has one, and he really, really likes it. He so does, yeah. A good testament for them. And it's interesting that they're getting some of those bigger apps like Quiplash, which was traditionally like a PC game. Yeah. So now moving to like that, um, I think it's interesting seeing those two kind of taking the lead there yeah. uh, with like the social gaming. Just something interesting I noted. One other thing with Amazon, which is kind of surprising, and it's actually one of my favorite reasons why I have both a Google Home and the Chromecast and the Google is- ecosystem, there's really no link between the Amazon Echo and any of the Fire Stick products. Really? <laughs> it's a missing link, and like I check both subreddits regularly, and both communities are just stumped about why not. I think it's literally it's two branches of their departments, their development departments, not talking to one another. Um, but being able to just cast the video with my Google Home directly to my television and it uses the HDMI CEC mm-hmm. feels like magic. And there's so many Amazon Echoes and Fire Sticks out there. It's just a missed opportunity. <laughs> That's really funny because, you know, the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised if some other company beat Amazon to putting Alexa on the TV. Um, but before we go down that route, I do want to ask, could you talk a little bit more about, um, I know you got a 4K TV uh, mm-hmm. with Google Cast support and you yeah. have Google Home. So uh, we, yeah. we touched on the app, we touched on Amazon. What's that like? Yeah, the first thing is, so um, I actually got the television as a birthday present. Um, Previously, so back it up a little bit more. I finally moved into an apartment that I was going to plan to live there long term. And I always say long term, that's longer than six months or one semester because I've actually been moving around a bit beforehand. Um, So I wanted to upgrade from a 32-inch, I think 720 or 1080i television. So I got a a Vizio E-Series. It's a 48-inch 4K television. And I will make sure that the link is provided and... I actually found out recently that it was actually rated by Wirecutter as the best budget 4K television. Mm. Um, a couple of reasons why I like Vizio. I think they're really to the point. I think they're a great value. Um, but one thing that they've really made a push for is kind of leaving the TV interface market. And what I mean by that is they actually released a couple of te- televisions a couple of years ago where it's completely void of that smart TV, I'll just say crap, that Samsung and a lot of other TV manufacturers try to bloat the TVs with. Instead, they've actually completely relied on um, Google Casting and the Google interface. Um, even the remote itself kind of stumped my um, my roommates at first because I believe my TV doesn't have a TV tuner. And so there's really no way of actually plugging in cable directly. And so on the remote itself, there's actually no numbers available. <laughs> so when you pick up this remote, there's actually not even a directional pad. That four-way toggle is actually just for volume up and down and channel up and down. Interesting. Um, which is kind of interesting. But when you turn it on, the first thing it has you do is just connect with your phone and your phone actually um, acts as the main menu system to change settings. So if you want to change color profiles, update the firmware, um, do other things that you would do through television, you actually do it all through the phone and device. Wow. And the TV acts as a dumb monitor, um, aside from Google casting. Um, I really like that. I know how it could be problematic for some people, but 
I really can't stand a lot of the bloatware that comes with a lot of the televisions. My parents got a brand new Samsung, and it's always constantly, ironically, it's always constantly reminding us to update the software, which I told it to do automatically, or it's been reminding me that this version for Skype is being decommissioned. <laughs> and so I don't know anyone who's used the Samsung version of Skype on their television, but I guess I've lost that opportunity. <laughs> I've, I've heard that, actually. I, um, I recently read a piece... Um, on the verge by Neelay Patel's wife about oh how she God, hates yeah. their Samsung Curve TV. We'll include that link. It's actually one of the best pieces of writing, I think, in a long time. It's, it's pretty funny. It's so honest. And it, I, I think it's true. I, and, and the reason why I went with a Vizio, which mm-hmm. I know usually is not as brand name as something like a Samsung, um, the picture has been great. Um, maybe the one thing is um, I actually don't really own, so I don't have any 4K content myself. Um, I'm not really that diehard of video quality and content. Um, and the only real way that we've been able to demo test it is the built-in casting allows for you to stream YouTube 4K. So we've hmm. been showing like phantom footage of different uh, places and we did some footage from a GoPro, but um, everything else is being done in 1080. Hmm. What's the experience like um, with the Google Cast and with the Google, Google Home too? Can you, is it pretty seamless to just say, hey, play um, XYZ? Mm-hmm. And it'll just go? Yeah. In the beginning, I was really excited about the integration. Um, but for me, especially, I'm not using a direct Chromecast. It actually took a long time for manufacturers to update the firmware, the casting firmware on their devices to support this interaction. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. And it didn't come out out of the gate. Um, and also, so one tricky thing about the Google Home is when they do software updates for services, I believe it's definitely server side because it rolls out slowly. So users who are all on the same firmware on the device itself still might not get the same interactions with certain commands. Oh, uh, so for a while, it was really frustrating because sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. And I wish they were clear about that. Um, aside from that, um, there's only two main services that you can use that command to. And so pretty much you say, ahoy, Google, <laughs> and then play X content uh, on the device. This should be almost like a variable or query. Yeah. On, and then you say the service. Um, I've never gotten Netflix to work successfully, even though I have it paired. Um, but the YouTube one actually works pretty well. So actually, I'm comfortable telling my roommates, hey, do you know that you can actually turn on TV by just saying this command? And uh, the couple of times where it works, it's actually, it feels like magic. Yeah. It's so fun. We've played music videos and videos that we know about. Um, the other behavior that I don't really like is I wish it would just stop playing after the video is over. But YouTube loves to autoplay. <laughs> So sometimes if we're playing some music, it'll just keep playing and people forget and we leave and it just has played a thousand videos. <laughs> um, and that's one thing. I just feel like they're just trying to probably up the view count on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's I think this is the reason why Google could be so effective as they enter more devices and integrating into the home. This is a very basic thing. But seeing the smiles on my roommate's faces when it first came out was really exciting. It does sound pretty appealing. as You, you know, grow that out and maybe they start to get more of the application side stuff that some of the others are or, or not, mm-hmm. but just continue to create that great platform that can be built on and extend it yeah. further. It, it is pretty interesting. Yeah, we can have a whole episode. I have a lot to say about Google Home now, especially uh, being an Amazon Echo and Google Home person, but Google has a lot of catching up to do with Amazon Echo quite right now, especially with their services and integration. And I'm not completely happy with what they're doing, but I think the step in the direction of putting the Google Assistant in the home in as many places as possible is really, really powerful. And I think that's the next generation or the next frontier for them. Can you imagine owning the Google routers and knowing that the internet went out and you can just say, restart the router all from this interface or knowing things about like your home security all through it. It's pretty natural already every morning for me to play music and to set timers. Being able to do other things around my house that way with something that's so knowledgeable about me is kind of powerful. 
So it's interesting because um, I don't have one personally, but I did read that most people use it um, just kind of like you said, like just for like the timers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, are there any skill, that's, maybe that's an Alexa term, but are there any yeah. uh, services you use with it other than kind of like the default Google stuff? Yeah. That may be like kind of like a loaded question because um, it does come with the Google Cast stuff, which yeah. is a, a pretty good, you the know, Cast is a big thing. The way that they're doing Cast, like, you actually might know more about me about how they're actually implementing it, but right now it actually seems like they're almost treating them all as like a third-party API. So you actually have to activate the this quote-unquote skill first, and then it goes into the program, and I think it's reaching the client or the person's server first. So it's actually been very janky. Um, Amazon Echo, even though their app store and their use of services is also pretty wonky, Google Home's current implementation, I think, is actually pretty bad. Um, I think in the future, when they integrate it a little bit better, it'll be great. Um, But some ones that really caught my eye, um, there's actually a song pop one available that we (laughs) played a couple of times. Um, And they are releasing a lot of great um, news apps and stuff. I personally have been just been staying off of following a lot of news recently, just for my own personal reasons. Um, but they've done a really good job trying to match up those flash briefings that Amazon Echo um, released. One more that actually came out that is really, really nice is the Todoist integration. So Todoist okay. is my main task management. Um, there is an integration um, with Amazon Echo, and previously I had to use IFTTT to get it working with Google Home. Now it's fully working. It's actually really nice. Hmm. Yeah, I-, I could see the appeal. Like It'd be really cool if... Um you know, you know how on like the iPhone, if you use the, um, I don't know if they have this on Android, but like it does a sleep tracking automatically with that one alarm that you can set. Mm-hmm. If like, I, I'm pretty sure how that works. I'm not positive. I'm trying to figure out exactly how it tracks is, but I'm pretty sure it's based on how or when you're charging the phone. I'm not totally sure because like mm-hmm. I know I'll set it for one time, but I'll go to sleep after that time. It'll still log me for less than eight hours like I set it for. Mm-hmm. So however it does that, like if it could tell, hey, I'm awake. And then, like, you go home with, like, give you, like, a morning report automatically. Yeah. That would be really cool to me. That would be a pretty cool yeah. value proposition. Because it really doesn't need to do much more than that, you know. Be there for, like, yeah some quick things. Um, but if it can just do those essentials and keep me uh, informed or entertained. Yeah. It's hard to verbalize. I think right now this type of product is still in that same product category for me in terms of, like, something like an Apple Watch. Where it's, we're early adopters of it and um, it brings delight. And I would miss it if I didn't have it because for actually for a while I didn't have a Google Home or an Echo because I gave mine both away to, as gifts. Um, but there's so much, we're at the very tip of the iceberg. There is so much potential about having a Google Assistant or some type of assistant because for the one or two weeks I didn't have it in my apartment, everyone in my apartment noticed that there was a void huh. left by it. And it was very simple things as playing music with your voice, setting a timer, or asking something stupid. Mm-hmm. We should definitely have an episode on that because I have a lot more yeah, um, I want to ask, but I do want to get to the couple points we have left about um, home automation. Um, and this is definitely related, but yeah. in the context of like around the TV, um, mm-hmm. somewhere where the Google Home competes with, uh, not necessarily the Echo, I guess, but the Apple TV and mm-hmm. the NVIDIA Shield, Yeah. Um, you know, these other platforms where it's the Google Assistant on your TV or Siri, and you can control the house from them kind of as like a hub. Yeah. Um, have you experimented with that a little bit? Uh, I guess, I mean, yeah. it'd be different because you have the Google Home, but I'm going to put it in the same ballpark because you keep it right by your TV, and it's essentially the same interface. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very interested in home automation. I've actually play, played around with a little bit of, I've dipped my toe in a lot of different products just to see uh, where it's going. Once again, I think it's very early in infancy. There's still a lot of deep fragmentation between all the major products, um, and they're pretty immature. So I actually own one HomeKit switch. It's actually an iHome switch, and we'll include a link in the notes as well. Um, and it literally just controls one light. Um <laughs> 
and I actually have it where I do use the Apple TV as the hub. So if I were to leave my house and I'm on LTE, I can control that light. And I have a couple times just for fun. <laughs> it's really reliable. It's really smart. And you can actually use the Apple TV fourth generation or I believe an iOS device. So if you yeah. leave an iPad at home, it does the same thing, which is really nice. Um, aside from that, I really haven't ventured that much. I own one LifeX bulb, but I have very mixed feelings about it. Um, and it doesn't use any type of hub system. Um, but the reason why I guess we're talking about this is I think the Apple TV really has the potential of being the center hub. And if there was some way of integrating um, Siri into that, the same way where we see Google, Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa into it, that's really exciting because it's already really natural for me and my roommates to pick up the remote, hold down the microphone, and say something. And right now the scope of it is pretty limited of bringing up television shows, but it'd be really nice to have that same type of always-on listening. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like that concept of like the hub um, in your house is pretty interesting. It, it seems like a pretty natural fit under the TV like that. Some you don't think about it, but connected to the network, obviously. Yeah. Um, some of the assumptions they make, I think it's pretty interesting. It's something I don't have a lot of experience with personally. Mm -hmm. um, living in a, on campus, I don't really get the opportunity to yeah. automate my quote-unquote home. That's the only reason why <laughs> I've actually, I've gone kind of nuts, right? Like I've go, I bought Chromecast. I bought all these streaming boxes. I've had, the, like my roommates think I'm crazy. And my parents love, like luckily they're very loving and supporting, but I bought everything under the sun because I, I'm only really dipping my toe in now since I live off campus and control mm -hmm. my own network. Um, but it makes me really excited, and that's why, um, especially something like the NVIDIA Shield. The NVIDIA Shield is something that I've always loved from afar. I've personally never owned one, but I've spent extensive time with one. Um, but they released or announced a new one that's coming out. Um, and the main thing that's different about it that you can't get with the older model is it actually has Google Assistant built in. Mm -hmm. And it'll also act as a smart things hub, from what I believe. Uh -huh. So all of those different product categories, especially if you live outside of the Apple ecosystem, the NVIDIA Shield seems like a perfect box to choose. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, it seems like a lot of pieces are starting to come together for what they've talked about for, uh, I mean, I don't know, we were hearing smart home stuff at least back in 2013. Yeah, exactly. Um, or I guess seeing it really materialized. I mean, they've been having smart home movies since as long as I can remember. But yeah, really yeah. seeing it kind of come together. Um, it's interesting right now. I think, you know, there's definitely a couple of big factors here. Um latency between things we're seeing that with like some of the headphones yeah. too the ai itself which is is sufficient but you know there's a certain grammar that you still involved. yeah um but it, it is extremely interesting seeing this all converging kind of yeah. and these interesting use cases like that or um you yeah know, using your watch I, I have to use my watch um to change music in my car because my phone <laughs> the microphone gets linked to the car's yeah, audio yeah system. Actually. so it's interesting it's like you know how many ways you can input to these systems and how they're all interconnected like that. I know that's a very niche example, but um, it, to me, it kind of illustrates the point of like, wow, like it's kind of becoming um, less and less like this is your watch and this is your computer and this is your phone and this is your TV, yeah. yada, yada, yada. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like this is just your services and you use these clients just plug into all of them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly how we're moving. And, you know, a prime example of something like, I love the idea of a Chromebook and I love the idea of Google Casting because it kind of separates the, the need of having a device where you can always move somewhere else too. One other major thing too is I like, and that's why I'm interested in how your mom reacted to like things like DirecTV now. It's like, how will the general consumer kind of follow this? Like, how are, what are their thoughts? Like, are they really emotionally attached to like cable boxes and the idea of channels and numbers? Uh, and are, are they even interested that they can change the color of their light bulbs? You know, I've brought in a couple of different products and I've played around with them and I've asked my, my parents and my roommates. And um, it's kind of interesting to see the reaction because um, once again, I'll bring up the Google Home stuff again. But I thought that my parents wouldn't care, right? 
it's just another thing that they can just yell at. Like, my parents yell at Siri all the time because it doesn't really work, especially with them. They have kind of a slight accent. Um, but my mom actually approached me about bringing home some automated switches and light bulbs and the Google Home because she watched a commercial where <laughs> someone was able to, like, hold a baby and ask for music to be played and then turn off the lights, and that wowed her, right? And so now there's some real interest. So I'm really interested to see how quickly the general consumer will adopt things like home automation. It, it will be interesting. And, um, you know, whenever my mom talks to Siri, I don't know if this is your parents, but she's always, like, she goes from her normal can to a very robotic, like, hey, Siri, uh, what is the weather? Like, it, you know, it, it's very clearly different. Um, and when you or I talk to Siri, it's, it's much more uh, conversational. Like, yeah. hey, Siri, how's the weather? <laughs> and I always say thank you after, and she never responds. But that's a whole other, you know, yeah. issue. Um, but it is interesting because there's definitely that friction there, and they don't yeah. really know what to do. It's kind of, yeah. um, you know, it, it's kind of, well, that's how I was my first experience Siri, too, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's an adjustment, certainly. And as the technology advances, I'm not sure if the barriers will go down or it'll be yeah. and not that the barriers are even high now but I feel like there's an intimidation factor not even a technological factor but yeah. a social intimidation that like ooh I don't know what to say you know yeah. almost don't want to be rude but uh, it's not quite the right word yeah I think um, I think I'm hoping for the technology for all these major services to get better I think Google Assistant right now is the best in terms of most natural flow and the least amount of problems especially for my parents who are not native uh, native English speakers I think afterwards when everything has really lined up and it's really can be natural, I think it's just a marketing challenge of realigning expectations mm -hmm. of consumers of what they can do. I think a lot of our parents are kind of hesitant about something like Siri because when they use it, let's say on iOS 5 or 6, it was very difficult to get the queries and get the right answer. Um, if they made big strides, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple really pushed commercials about people using it in a more natural way, especially with things like AirPods, which we haven't even discussed yet, like yeah. of wearing AI on your body at some point, which is really powerful as a concept. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And like, you know, um, kind of like what I was alluding to with the watch, just having that like always available um, where it's just listening to you and you don't have to think about pressing the button on the remote or mm -hmm. holding on the home button or saying that phrase, just asking for it and being smart enough to react um, is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, even from last time we've spoken, I think things have definitely shifted and a couple of new pieces of technology have made me feel that way where I'm really ready to experience um, less of an interface and just more interaction with, with my technology. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting moving forward, definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. Oh, so Over to you. Okay, over to me. Um, so thank you so much, guys, for listening, especially this is the opening of our season three. Um, and so if you haven't remembered, um, we are available on a myriad of platforms, including iTunes, Android Play, Stitcher. Uh, we also have a general RSS feed that you can subscribe to. Um, just feel free to search us on Google. Um, also, we're on Twitter where we tweet. Um, mine is at Candice Poon and Rob's is at, at Russo underscore Rob. And please feel free to send any feedback or question or episode ideas. I know we're gathering some ideas now. And feel free to email them to tiktoktalkshow at gmail.com. And so thank you so much, guys, for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.